we would be as kind and human um, in this very dark situation that we could. And, you know, I, I doubted myself for a long time. Lots of tears and uh, lots of doubt. Um, travel is one of those experiences where it, it, it creates a memory. So really what we're selling is the memory. I think making it less head, more heart, makes the very best created holiday. Hello and welcome to The Common Creative. My name is Chris Meredith. And I'm his sidekick, Paul Fairweather. (laughs) We're on a mission to open up the conversation about creativity in business. Yes, we're doing that, Chris, through the lens of ideas, stories and illustrations that matter. And we're going to illustrate that concept brilliantly today with a wonderful guest, Elisa O'Connell from Flight Centre. Yeah, Chris, Elisa is the Head of People and Culture at Flight Centre. A great story. Uh, uh, She's been there for 34 years, started at the age of 19 as a salesperson on the desk and in the beginning of 2020 was appointed to that role of People and Culture, one of the biggest hospital passes probably uh, in the world uh, only months before COVID hit. Yes, as you'll hear, if ever a business will have taken a pummeling because of COVID and also the power of the internet disintermediating companies like uh, it would, would be fight center and yet they've survived and they've thrived. We, we learned three key lessons that we learned from yeah. Alisa. The first one. The first one was about the power of rituals. Um, No one we've spoken to before has talked about rituals, and she was passionate. She said, human beings love rituals. Human beings feel safe because of rituals. And it struck me there's a big learning for creativity there because if you're feeling safe, you're more able to express yourself. You can help people um, do what they want to do. And so I think there's a really big creative learning, the power of rituals to make people safe. The second learning was around uh, culture, um, their culture, but most importantly about Elisa's role to be the custodian of that culture. Uh, she, the, the culture at Flight Centre is all about irreverence and fun. Um, they work hard and work seriously, but they also have a lot of fun. And she made at the point that, you know, from her first day almost she understood that this was the culture and she saw her role not to reinvent a new culture but to be a custodian of that culture which again I think is very important for creative organizations to be custodians of their culture. And the third point was about the role of people. She called it a high-touch business. We can all book holidays online if we want to, but they do it through the power of people. And she she brought it to life by by saying, when you walk out of flight centre, you carry with you a piece of paper. That's pretty much all you get. But what the people do is help you connect with your dreams. Uh, She said, we're not selling seats. We're selling memories. And and, what better way of bringing to life that creative act of booking a holiday than saying it's about memories, it's not about seat on an aircraft. And we should get her in. Let's hear it from her. Alisa O'Connell, welcome to the Common Creative Podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Paul. Thanks for having me, Chris. <laughs> it's great to have you on the show. For anyone tuning in, this is now Take 44 or something. We've had tech problems. Thanks for being so patient with us, Alisa. Um, we're really excited to hear the Flight Centre story and understand more about the role of creativity in the business. So uh, we have one obvious question, uh, <laughs> Alisa. That's right. Let me let me put it to you. Uh, 
of all the businesses that must have taken a pummeling over the last few years because of the way the internet has allowed us to book flights direct. And of course, COVID has affected everyone's travel plans. You'd expect Flight Center to have taken the pummeling. But here it is, 33 years old, alive and kicking. And I understand posting profits again. So the question is simply, Elisa, what is the secret of Flight Center's success? Great question. Well, Flight Center turned 40 in uh, April of this year. I've been there almost 34 years. (laughs) Yep, 40. Um, But it's built on the back of our founder, uh, Graham Screw-Turner, who started uh, getting involved in the travel industry to have fun. He believes that business should be fun, travel should be fun, and we've built a corporate culture, a very strong corporate culture um, that identifies with that. We have a lot of fun at work. We believe in irreverence, uh, and irreverence to us means we take our work seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously. So where you've got a very strong culture where people come together around a corporate purpose, and we've got a great corporate purpose, which is opening up the world for those who want to see. So people can identify with our purpose. They come to work. Um, we have fun. Uh, we believe in egalitarianism, which means that, you know, we, we don't believe in hierarchy or offices or um, making people feel self-important. It's everybody just mucking in to drive the business and um, sell something as extraordinary as travel. So it is a lot of fun. Um, and you're right, Chris, it wasn't a lot of fun for a couple of years. <laughs> I've got sincere congratulations for weathering the storm. We've all experienced you know, the, the effects of the pandemic and so on, but you must have seen it more, more in more reality and more depth than the, than the rest of us. Tell us what, how you pulled through that, especially things are looking, must have been looking very dark. Figures must have been bad morale must have been low and you got this idea of irreverence as a did that were you able to stay irreverent despite all of that um i would suggest that the first first awareness that we had uh, screws always suggested it would be bad it would be really bad and um i remember that 16th of march when uh scomo closed the borders and effectively closed our industry down thinking through what does this mean for us? What does this look like? And um, pretty quickly our revenue dried up overnight. People were no longer booking travel and we had to take our 10,500 staff in Australia or 24,000 staff globally and we had to seriously reduce our headcount because we didn't have the cash to keep our business alive. So we spent the first, well, the last two weeks of um, March, the first few weeks of April scrambling to work out how we reduce co- uh, costs, how we stood people down, how we closed stores and how we reduced our cost base significantly. And there were some days where I didn't know if we'd make it or not. I didn't know we could move quickly enough to reduce costs. Um, I wondered, would we have enough cash in the bank? And I wasn't. that wasn't even my job. So the guys who were counting the cash were obviously very concerned. Um, and to begin with, it was really hard to have fun. Uh, there were lots of nights we worked sort of 18, 20-hour days and I would come home at night and think, how will I get up and do all this again tomorrow? This is not fun. This is not what I love. Um, standing people down, eventually making people redundant is not the stuff that makes me uh, excited. But in the midst of that, we found our reverence. Um, we found ways to laugh, to laugh at ourselves, um, because if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. And we knew, and there were some days we cried. There were some days in, as an Australian executive team, we did cry. And there were many nights I came home and cried. But we found ways to laugh, um, laugh at our, our crazy sense of humour. And we wore crazy hats and, and we laughed and we sang songs. And um, 
you know, we, we did some we did some crazy things that we remembered. You know, I, I remember working on Easter Sunday and saying to the guys, uh, perhaps I'll go to church and ask for a prayer for us because it's the best I can come up with right now on Easter Sunday. Um, and and all we could do was kind of laugh our way through it, which that irreverence kept us alive. I know Screw, um, watching Screw, he was, he was at a loss for a little bit in terms of, finding energy because he's used to it being fun he's used to being irreverent and um it was just you know nose down make things happen um but we found our way again you know we used to we used to do a a thing at three o'clock in the afternoon when the rest of brisbane was locked down and it was just our senior execs in our head office uh three o'clock in the afternoon we'd get out a drinks cart you know like an old um (laughs) drinks cart off an aircraft and we'd walk up and down the hallway and say anyone need a wine anyone need a beer (laughs) Um, and we'd have a bit of a laugh, have a bit of a joke. It's that, just like it's just like when your your flight gets delayed. You're sitting on the tarmac, you've been there for an hour, and the, <laughs> and the cabin crew say, "Well, we may as well get the drinks coming out now." I, I love the sound of that. Yeah, and it was Screw doing it. It was Screw coming down the hallway on our uh, top floor, saying, "Anyone need a wine?" <laughs> I um, it, it's probably a bad uh, a bad analogy, but you know the the idea of this singing and and, and drinking. You know, sounds a little bit like some of the stories from the Titanic as it was going down, <laughs> which obviously, which obviously, ha, you know, isn't where it ended up. But, um, but I'm just interested, uh, Lisa, particularly, you know, you said like the money wasn't your role, but your role is head of people and culture. And, you know, on your uh, LinkedIn bio, you, you, you know, you state that your, your, what you love about your role is bringing out the potential of other people. So I'm assuming this, this term, turmoil in the company, must have had a, a personal impact on yourself, given your role and you know and what you needed to do to to um, uh, you know save cash. So, how, how did you how did you personally handle that? Uh, uh, not very well, honestly, not very well at all. Um, like I said, there were lots of tears, and I had only stepped. I'm, I was in the um, uh, EGM of Flight Centre brand until May, and then I stepped into this people and culture role when my predecessor had moved on. Uh, right at the beginning of 2020. So I was stepping into a new role, people and culture, something I was passionate about, something I loved, but brand new to me. And um, there were many nights where I came home and would have conversations around my dinner table about, you know, I think my MDs made a mistake. I don't know that I'm the right person for this role. I don't know if we've got the skills to carry us through. I'm not um, qualified for this. Um, there were many tears. You know, when you look down a list of names, knowing that you're going to have to make people redundant, you know the people on that list. And you're not making them redundant because of poor business decisions, poor management. It's it's an environmental issue of which we had no control and no understanding of when it would end. Um, so we, we set ourselves some parameters in people and culture about how we deal with people respectfully, um, with compassion. Uh, we'd allow them to leave with dignity. We couldn't give them certainty, but we could give them clarity. We could be really clear about what we did know and um, we would be as kind and human um, in this very dark situation that we could. And, you know, I, I doubted myself for a long time, lots of tears and uh, lots of doubt, but eventually I realised that I was there to lead a group of highly capable um, HR um, subject matter experts and I just needed to... Um, get out of my own head and, and get into the game, which was providing them with great leadership and support and giving them a framework and a direction to get through this. And when I, I think, brought my A game, that really lifted my team. And 
we were able to over the last couple of years do some stuff that we hadn't had time to do, you know, spend a lot more time looking at, a, at our diversity and inclusion, create a great framework for that, um, do the work that needed to be done to launch our reconciliation action plan, um, to do a lot more work around what we loved about work and, and um, our, employ, our employee value proposition. So when we weren't doing the ugly stuff, we could bring to life some of the great stuff about our culture and we knew that we didn't have to have money to bring our culture to life. So we would have Friday afternoon wines, everyone grab a glass of wine, come on Teams or Zoom and we'll cheers the week and uh, find some things that we loved about the week and celebrate it. So, you know, we did the we did the things that were rituals to us, but we did them in a cheap, uh, cheap way and a virtual way. I was just thinking about the timing of your adopting that new role. You, you, wow, you picked your moment to become head of people and culture. Lisa, I want to ask you more about the role of people in a service business. I mean, today you can walk into McDonald's and, and order on a screen and virtually not speak to everybody, anybody. You get your groceries online. And of course, as I mentioned, you know, we can book travel online easily. And clearly, Flight Centre is an advertisement for the power of human-to-human contact. I, I guess the, my question is, are, are other businesses getting it wrong? Or, or are there any businesses that can't benefit from the kind of service, human-to-human service that Flight Centre offers? I don't know that those businesses get, are getting it wrong. I think if you're selling a, a price point of a hamburger at $2 with a margin of $0.20, cents, you need to look at where you can remove costs to make more margin on that. Um, our business is a high-touch model because travel is a really big spend. You know, when someone's spending thirty or $40,000 on a holiday and it's a dream of a lifetime, um, sure, you can do that online, but how much better is it to have someone collaborate with you on the perfect experience, you know, to plan that with you, to get you excited? Um, we have experts. We talk about experience, my experience or our experience, which is I've travelled, I love travel, I want you to love travel. I want to sell you an amazing travel experience that meets your dreams. And and the interesting thing about Macca's, you walk out with your fillet of fish. Um, you don't walk out of our store with anything except some paperwork, right? Mm. You've, you've given us $20,000 or $50,000 and you walk out with some paperwork. So um, you really want the, the tangible, which is I remember you, you're my consultant in my local store who helped me build my dream holiday. So I think that's where we differentiate in service because it, it is an intangible product. I want to ask more about that, the people's dreams. The, the, the reason, I mean, the theme for the common creative, and you can see it on our shirts, we're interested in the role of creativity in business. And I, I'm imagining that the act of choosing a holiday is itself a, a huge creative decision. You know, are we going to stay in Australia? Are we going to go overseas? If so, where? And what if they don't speak my language? There's lots and lots and lots of creativity going into that. And... It, we know that creative acts of being creative is a scary thing because you're putting yourself into the unknown. I wonder if you've got any advice for helping people express themselves either in the destination that they choose to travel to or if they happen to be an artist or a photographer, you know, how they express themselves creatively. Mm, that's a really great question. I, I think that um, travel is one of those experiences where it, it, it creates a memory. So really what we're selling is the memory. When you've come back, it's not uh, it's not what you did. It's the memory of, you know, that, that pasta in that little Italian restaurant in, in Tuscany or it's the, you know, heli skiing in New Zealand and how you felt when they dropped you on the mountain. It's all those memories. So 
it's about allowing it to be emotional. It's about it, it's a head and heart decision to travel. It's not just a head decision. People will come in with an idea, a concept, and make it all about the head, but it's when you connect head and heart together and you're talking about what kind of experience do you want, what kind of memories do you want to create, um, what are the things you want to experience when you're there. Um, it's not the seat on your aircraft or the hotel you stay at, but it's all those other tiny experiences. So I think making it less head, more heart, makes the very best created holiday. See that's fan- that is that is fantastic. And that thing about memories and I was, I was listening to a podcast last night and I I can't exactly remember which one it was because I listened to so many, <laughs> um, including our own, of course, uh, available on all good uh, providers. <laughs> um, but it was about the thing about you know uh, one of the problems of COVID was uh, when we have routine and it's you know a, a solid routine day in day out, we don't create new memories, and so time seems to go a lot quicker. But when you have new experiences, new people, new places, new architecture, new food, you know that whole thing of my God, I can't believe it's I've only been here for ten hours. It feels like I've been here for weeks. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I was interested in just a sort of a, I suppose an analogy again about you know this idea of being grounded, and obviously your industry was grounded. Uh, and whilst grounded, you know, is often a, a catchphrase. We, we want people to be more grounded. Um, there's, I, I've always loved the this philosophy of Alan de Botton, uh, where he talks about, if you know it, uh, in the um, talks about flying, and he says, so it's, it's, you know, when you fly, you're basically the opposite of grounded, and you're in, in you're, you you have you have no connection to anything on, on the on the earth, and so you have this, you know enormous amount of possibility open to you um so i suppose i don't know do you have an observation around that given that you know you travel a lot and your people travel about this whole thing of getting ungrounded um we we actually talked about um our our phase out of covid was about wheels up um you know getting out of being grounded how do we get wheels up how do we get flying again how do we get moving again and certainly for a sales business so people motivated by fulfilling dreams meeting customer needs chasing down targets COVID seemed like a really big, heavy cloud. And anything we could do that could see a break in that that cloud, which um, renewed rituals, gave us a sense that it was opening up, gave us a sense that there was some normality returning, really rallied our people. On the weekend, we just had an event at the River Stage in Brisbane where we flew in 3,500 of our people from around Australia. We called it Flychella, um, Flight Centre's Coachella. Uh, and um, we partied, you know, we had Birds of Tokyo, we had Mastin, Mashton Kucha, we had, um, you know, DJs, we had food. It was like a, a festival. And the one thing that everyone said is, you know, we're back. That that ritual of coming together and celebrating and doing something unique again together, partying together, again together, gave us a sense of being back. So that, that sense of... Um, taking off of no longer being grounded, no longer connecting, bringing back rituals that for you indicate that there is, you know, life again, that there is a, a renewal are so important. I think the one thing I learned from the last two years is rituals are so important to people and when you can connect them again to rituals that they're used to, um, people come alive again. They, they return to a normal patterns. They start to live out um, what they're used to. When you remove those rituals where people can't be connected to that, they're stuck. They really, they, they get so stuck. So I think that, that taking off for us was rituals and, you know, the weekend really showed me that once you 
once you renew a ritual and bring it back as strong as ever, people just rise to that. People people lift off. It's lovely. I'm I'm feeling very excited for your business now because I, I'm I imagine there's a lot of people during the pandemic who've looked themselves in the mirror and sort of you know what am I doing? Am I you know, how what what is going on with my life? I'm I'm sort of trapped here. And the moment you take off off those barriers, it's suddenly I need to do something meaningful. I need to create some memories. I need to perhaps explore and so on. Um, I've, I've suddenly sort of reframed Flight Centre as a kind of maybe not a dream factory to quote Disney but it's more you know we we can we can help you do something meaningful we can give you stories to tell we can create memories for you so that's a wonderful wonderful thought I'm I'm really interested in the power of rituals nobody's mentioned that to us before is that true of any company or is there something about flight center that makes rituals more important I don't know that I can comment on other organisations. I mean, being here for 34 years means I, <laughs> I live and breathe our culture. Um, but I can I can comment on human beings. So perhaps not other organisations, but I think human beings love rituals. We love to do the, you know, we have a ritual around Sunday afternoons or a ritual around how we celebrate Christmas or a ritual or around what we do on birthdays. You know, in my house, you can have birthday cake for your birthday because it's the only day of the year you can eat birthday cake for breakfast. And that ritual is meaningful. You know, it's it's meaningful to me. It excites me that I think, oh, when it's my birthday, I'm eating birthday cake. Um, these are things that are, are patterns of behaviour that give us a sense of something um, you know, meaningful to us. So I think human beings love rituals, uh, love positive rituals, you know, weddings, 21st, even wakes. You know, we have, we have rituals mm. that celebrate certain milestones and I think bringing us back to rituals makes us feel safe, reminds us of who we were or what we did and allows us to sort of take off. Um, uh, Alicia, I, I want, Alicia, I wanted to just uh, take a step back uh, to this idea of uh, festivals um, and, 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 and take it back also to, to you. Um, I don't know if you know the, the short TED Talk by Derek Shiver uh, about the importance of the first follower. No. Um, and it's it's a footage of a uh, a man dancing at a festival on the side of a hillside and he's the drunk idiot and he's up he's up and, and Derek is narrating as this is happening. And this guy is up there dancing by himself and it's not until the first follower gets up that he gets everyone else up, you know. And so it was a, it's a it's a a lesson in leadership about the importance of the first follower. Now I, I know it's six or seven years before you joined and, you know, and I know there would have been other people before you, but I imagine that that you are probably one of the key first followers in that organisation in, in leadership and and, yeah, and you rightful, rightfully acknowledge, you know, the vision of Screw and obviously his co-founding partners. But how, how do you see your role as, you know, a first follower, you know, in this? Because 34 years is a long time to be anywhere <laughs> and, um, you know, and... and and as you say, you've bought, you've bought into the culture, but you've obviously contributed greatly. I just, I just wanted to sort of delve a little bit into your role, in, particularly around, you know, you talk in, in your strengths around business strategy, and business strategy is an incredible creative thing. You know, it's, it's not a pragmatic thing. You know, it needs a wide view. So I just, I just really wanted to dig a little bit deeper into your story uh, about um, your role. So I, whether I've... Um articulated or not, I know that my role is to be a custodian of the culture. You know, to have 30 years' worth of history means I can look back and say, 
what were we doing then? What were we trying to create? You know, when I was a 19-year-old girl, what, what did I witness? What did I feel? And how do I bring that to life today? Now, I think things have changed a little bit. There were things that we did in 1988 that you couldn't do in 2021. Um, and, and that's okay. You know, um, society has moved on, norms have changed, but that sense of how it made me feel, how it drew me in, how I felt a part of something and that sense of belonging um, stands true. And that, that for 34 years, um, my belonging has wavered at times, but inevitably I feel like I belong at Flight Centre. It gives me a home, a place to belong. So my job as a cultural custodian is to create that sense of belonging for everyone that I can touch and to make sure that they're replicating that in their business units, in their stores, in whatever team that they're in, that um, we do have egalitarianism, that people feel there is a bit of a reverence, that we can have fun, that work should be fun. Um, work should be hard and fun at the same time and they're not a paradox you can work hard and enjoy it right um anything mm-hmm. that's anything that you're passionate about should be hard but it should also be invigorating uplifting fun so how do i make sure that we're keeping that alive that we're um when people don't fit or or are going against the grain of our culture how do i bring them on the journey or help them to see that maybe we're the wrong organization for it but um, really live and breathe that culture and allow it to continue to live and breathe for future generations. That's kind of how I see my job. You know, I love to talk at our induction of new people into the company about what is our culture, what makes us special, why have I stayed around 34 years. Um, my son works at Flight Centre and uh-huh. that's not deliberate. He, he joined by seeing, I think, my fulfilment and passion for an organisation. Um, he made a choice that, well, why wouldn't I work there? Why wouldn't that be a company that I would want to pursue? And it, it's not for everybody. You know, I'm not going to stand and I'm not a zealot and, say, and saying everyone should join Flight Centre. For those people who love travel and they love sales and they love to be in a fast-paced organisation where you're selling, creating dreams, um, Flight Centre is a great fit. And when you love it, uh, you love it for a really long time. So I haven't fallen out of love with it yet. <laughs> Lisa, I'd love to know... Uh, what what you do when you're not working? Um, the reason I ask is I'm wondering if if you, there's two sides to you. There's a kind of this is the way I am at work, and I believe in irreverence, and I believe in egalitarianism, and you're a different but but or is that basically we're seeing all of you, and when you're not working, it's the same same thing, same thing going on. Yeah, I'm a really strong believer in there is only one you. There is there is only the holistic you. Um, I bring all of me to work and that includes the things I'm passionate about. You know, I love camping. I love being in nature. I live on acreage. I love being outside. I love getting my feet dirty. Um, I love, you know, camping on Fraser Island and wearing my togs for five days straight. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, um, I have a strong um, spirituality and I like to be connected to people who are connected on their faith journey. That's important to me. Um, you know, I love to read. Those things are all really important to me, but I don't, there's no home me, work me. I'm just me. Um, I just show I up as me. I love to get my feet dirty. I mean, that <laughs> that sounds so lovely. You know, the, the feet are so important. I, mean, I was going to say for grounding you, I think it's pretty obvious, but you're grounding you in lots of ways. So, yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Um, I, I just have a, another maybe obvious question. Do you remember what you felt first felt when you were 19, when you uh, either walked through the door or, or after the first week or day you went, wow, this is great? Do you, do you remember yeah. what that was? I felt overwhelmed. I felt overwhelmed. I, I, um, yeah, my mum my had said, I have to go to uni. You, you've got to see through uni. You've got to study. 
Uh, if you don't, you'll never amount to anything. I got this job at Flight Centre and said, that's it, I'm not studying anymore. And my mum's like, what? Uh, and after the first week, I was like, I have found my people. You know, I found my thing. This this company's about fun and hard work and selling travel. And I had travelled a lot um, with my family as a young person. I love travel. And all you talked about all day was other people's travel dreams. And I I thought I found the perfect job. I wasn't the perfect salesperson. Um, you know, there were other people that were far better at that than I was, but there were other bits of our organisation that really spoke to me. And, yeah, I had found my my people. Uh, I, I identified strongly with them. Is there a this? Uh, I'm fascinated by the kind of the irreverence of Flight Centre um, and I can sort of see why perhaps being irreverent gives people permission to dream. It allows them to explore ideas that wouldn't. Is there a downside to it? I'm thinking about other people that might be listening in and big companies thinking, well, that's all very well for them. We couldn't have it here because we're a serious business. We do this, that or the other. And of course, there's plenty of serious aspects to what Flight Centre does. But is there a downside to having the reference culture or should all companies just take themselves a bit less seriously that people are a bit, you know, up themselves when they're at work and it's time for us all to relax a bit? Uh, look, my experience is there is downside if people don't understand it. So when people use it as an excuse for poor behaviour, um, that's not acceptable and, and you have to call that out. Irreverence doesn't mean um, we're unkind or we do things that are in any way hurtful to anyone else and you can't call it irreverence and, and be mean. That That's not cool. Um, look, I think I think business, we do take ourselves way too seriously in business. Yes, we've got shareholders and they expect that we, you know, are making something of value and improving the the, the value of their, their stocks and I accept that. But it doesn't mean that you have to be so serious that you can't enjoy it. And I think no matter what your work is, there is purposeful work to be done. Um, why can't you take the piss a bit out of yourself? <laughs> not the work, not the work, but, but out of yourself. Why can't you have a go at yourself why can't you make it fun and travel is fun even even corporate travel is fun you're creating opportunities for people to connect and to make business deals and to sell something it, it doesn't matter why you're traveling traveling it is is at its very heart fun and people are experiencing the world uh, we're creating more more tolerance we're opening people's eyes to to um other other you know things that they've never experienced before i think i think irreverence is is how you um, you can show up in business. I, I do think a lot of people take themselves. And, you know, I'd like to say we're not saving lives. And and I suspect that if you are saving lives, um, that is serious work. But there's probably also some irreverence after the fact as well. I suspect, you know, after you've done life, um, life-saving surgery, there might be a bit of having fun, yeah. a bit of a release. Um, yeah. So, you know, when you need to be really serious and work really hard, you can, but there should be time to have a bit of fun as well. It's, it's interesting. I mean, Shakespeare uses the Joker to sort of speak truths that other characters can't speak. And, and I wonder if this irreverence is a way of opening doors, giving people permission to connect with bits of themselves that they wouldn't otherwise connect with. I'm very conscious. I mean, we're, we're all currently wearing very relaxed clothing. But, you know, business used to be about those starchy shirts and the jackets and, and becoming that corporate animal. So... I think there's a lot we could all learn from this. And, and I think it would be easy to describe the business of travel being very serious. It's about safety. It's about big numbers, big investments and so on. And that's why we've got to be this disciplined operation. for this. And you'll say, no, no, have some fun. Be irreverent. Let people relax and, and enjoy the journey. I think it's another thing I'm taking out from you that, that 
it's not just about arriving. It's about the whole process and, and the act of working at Flight Centre is itself part of, it's not about just taking your pay home. It's about, it's the journey, the experience of being at place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dying to ask you something a little bit about branding. I know, I know the role of um, sort of inclusivity and, and women particularly is, is important yeah. to you. And of course, Flight Center has this very male identity is that the man with the stripes on his shirt, he's, it looks like a flight captain or something. Is there is, is any chance of a, a woman appearing in that, that role? Well, we actually have uh, captains and co-captains right around the world and um, they all didn't all identify with their local communities. So in South Africa, um, we have a black captain, which is fantastic. In Canada, uh, in Flight Centre Canada, we have a female captain. So we've tried to identify locally with um, the captains and those people are all employees of Flight Centre. So they're not actors. The captains are our employees uh, and we love that. But I, I do think, just to that point, Chris, I do think that travel has always been and still is a very female orientated industry. Um, mm. In Flight Centre, 74% of our employees are female. And I wonder if going back into, you know, men created corporate work and perhaps it comes from their psyche of hunting and how significant and serious that is to work, I wonder if in environments where you have more women and by way of that, we also have a, a very high proportion, 26% of our people in Australia identify as part of the LGBTQI community in Flight mm -hmm. Centre. I just wonder if you have a little bit more diversity, if that allows for things to be a little bit more fun. Maybe in very male-dominated huh? industries, there's not as much openness to, perhaps it needs to be serious. Perhaps that's in the male, you know, memory of, work hunting fun not not fun whereas uh, the more women you have maybe it is a bit more fun i don't know that's a really good point that that uh, perhaps men are more insecure and they have these barriers to to um prevent them relaxing and connecting with themselves really now i didn't point. say that chris i did not say that well, I did. <laughs> i'm happy to say that well you know, we'll, we'll a, put we'll put that one down <laughs> we'll put that down to chris well, Alyssa, um, I think um, on the note of, of fun, it's probably a good time to pull up pull up stumps. Um, look, I, I've had a lot of fun talking to you. I, I hope you've had some fun. And it's been really, you know, incredibly uh, insightful to to listen to your insights about the company and your, your journey as well. So uh, thank you for being a guest today on the Common Creative Podcast. And thank a huge you thank me. you for me as well. Yeah, great to speak to somebody as insightful as you, but also as irreverent, as fun as you. Thank you very much, Elisa. What a great conversation. What a lot of fun talking to Elisa. And so inspirational to, to hear from somebody who was in the hot seat of people and culture two years ago and um, talking about such a unique company and so many learnings for creativity. We're hoping that you, if you're listening, have got lots of comments. Pop them in the chat box below. Um, send us an email. And, of course, subscribe. We hope you'll want to join us for this episode and future episodes as well. Yeah. If you enjoyed it, please give us a rating. And, uh, yes, and hopefully you'll join us again next week. And, Chris, just to clarify... Oh, yes. Uh, there was a moment when I made the comment that maybe men are more insecure than women. That was very much me talking and not Elisa. Uh, and if you disagree, let me know. And if you agree, let me know. I'm happy to be out there. But that was my, my opinion, not that. Great. See you next week. See you next week. Thanks for joining us.